This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Welcome to WTS Waikatoa, a radio show and podcast taking a look at the quirkier people, groups and interests in the region. I'm producer Gary Farrow. ADHD is challenging, even more so in COVID-19 lockdown. Dory Connor is doing ADHD coaching with people throughout the country, including in the Waikatoa. She herself has lived experience of having attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, Dory joins us on WTS Lockdown Edition to give us all some hints and tips on how we can hold things together when we get cabin fever at home. I'm Dory Connor and I own a company called Acing ADHD. The reason that I'm interested in ADHD is because I was diagnosed with it as an adult. Interesting thing is that as a child, everybody knew that I was hyperactive. When you've got a child who stands up on the top of second story roofs, yelling out to all the adults below, hey, look at that, and freaking everybody out or getting into complete strangers' cars at the age of two and running in different directions all the time, you know you've got a child that's full on. So I was very privileged with the parents that I had. They turned around and they found out all the things they could. However, I was not medicated. That came when I was an adult and when I was formally diagnosed. When I was formally diagnosed and I took the medication, it was like, wow, this is different. This feels different. It was like, I used this explanation when I was talking to the person who diagnosed me and I said, it was like there was all these radio stations playing. And you'll understand this one, Gary. So all these radio stations, there was a hundred radio stations playing all at the same time, but I couldn't quite focus on any of them they were all just off the station so what happened was when I took the medication it was like oh I can control I can go to this radio station or this radio station or this radio station I then had choices so that was fantastic and I looked around and I went right what do I do about this I found this newfound knowledge life is fantastic but I don't know what to do I'm an adult and suddenly everything is completely different just because of the way I was thinking So what saved me was I actually went to university and I studied philosophy and went through to master's level, did typical, because I was unmedicated at this time, but did typical ADHD behavior and quit because it was like too overwhelming, but got up to master's level. And then when I was medicated, I went off and I did psychology. And it was like, there isn't actually many people out here who understand it from my perspective. There are a lot of medical professionals who, you know, talk about ADHD and tell you to do this and do that, but they don't actually have ADHD. So I went off and I looked at how to train myself and I started off with working with a lady in Australia and she works on coaching from an emotional perspective. Now, as 
well, you'll understand emotions are extremely important with people with ADHD. So coming from that perspective, as opposed to focusing on the executive functioning, on the way that you're thinking was hugely helpful. Coupled that with doing the psychology and I developed my own philosophy and I started coaching people with ADHD. Now I'm actually working with Phelan Healthcare who are based in Auckland. They're a private um, ADHD clinic and I'm working with clients who have been diagnosed or because there's such a huge waiting list in New Zealand, I've heard stories that people are waiting up to a year to actually get in for a diagnosis. So, and this is remotely too. This is actually on Zoom and things like that. So it's not even in person to go and see somebody. They're actually waiting for that length of time. So I'm working with clients who are waiting for a diagnosis people who've had a diagnosis or people who are not even going for a formal diagnosis of ADHD, they're actually, they um, feel like they've got ADHD, but they don't want, you know, or can't afford because it's quite expensive and that's the fastest way of getting in. They can't afford to actually get in for that diagnosis. So as that, because I was diagnosed with it, when I was looking around, I found that there wasn't anybody who could help me, help me. So I thought, well, if nobody else can help me, I'm going to help myself. I'm going to find a way. And through trial and error, I came up with a philosophy of my own and I developed ACA ADHD. Now, it would be said that the people around this country at the moment are experiencing varying levels of anxiety, leaning more towards the extreme end. And living, you know, being sort of trapped in our fishbowls at home, we're learning more about ourselves and about our relationships with the people who we live with and what we actually need to do to nurture us, you know, nurture our mind uh, to keep us going. Uh, this would be particularly difficult for people with ADHD. Uh, definitely. And there's some confounding variables as well on top of that. Oftentimes when people have ADHD, there is a genetic factor. So if you're in lockdown, you may have children who are diagnosed or undiagnosed with ADHD. So it can be um, quite confronting being locked in with someone who either, because there's three different types of ADHD, You've got your impulsive hyperactive type, which is generally what people think of ADHD. Then you've got a combined type, which is in combination with the second type, which is inattentive. Now, inattentive ADHD used to be called ADD, but the DSM-5, which is the Bible in terms of psychology and psychological uh, type conditions, they combine the two and devise these three different categories. So somebody who's hyperactive, as I said, is the one who you will see out there. They're the ones who will do the outbursts. They will be full of energy, so they can be really, really fun, but they're also prone to overreacting or doing things impulsively, spending too much money, especially when you're in lockdown or something like that um, online, going and impulsively buying, because what else am I supposed to do? They're the ones who people will more or less identify because they're quite high energy. Then you have the inattentive, and these are the people that are hugely 
underdiagnosed. And there's quite a few women. That's why it was thought for quite a long time that men were like, or boys were more likely to have ADHD than girls were. And therefore, there will be more men than there are women. However, that has been amended. And there are some people who even put forward that it's a one-on-one. So there's just as many girls as there are boys. It's just the boys tended to go into the impulsive hyperactivity as opposed to the girls who went into the inattentive. So getting back to this, being locked down, if you're in an in a, you know, inattentive, you may find that you become totally demotivated, right? There's nothing to keep you on track. Normally, you'd drive into the office or you'd go to wherever your workplace is and you would have set times that you would be going in. You'd know that you'd have your morning tea break at this time. You'd have your lunch at this time. You're having these different meetings and so on and so forth. And if you're not going somewhere, something that most people that I've met with ADHD have is that the time blindness kicks in. So it's like if you don't know what you're supposed to be doing next, it's like at 10 o'clock we'd normally have morning tea, but because you're at home, you've got the washing to do. Oops, beg your pardon. You've got the washing to do. You've got all these other things to do. If you're, you haven't got those basic milestones to go to, then you can become extremely demotivated. If you're demotivated, depending on the type of person you are, that will mean that things will start to annoy you. If you've got your kids and they're running around, they're supposed to be doing schoolwork or you're trying to entertain them over here while you're doing work, they will turn around and they'll rush off and they'll do this and you'll go, hey, kids, stop that. Now, where was I? I have no idea where I was. You've lost your place. You start again. Then you turn around and suddenly the phone rings. Somebody's ringing because they're at home now. They uh, may be studying. They may be, they don't work or whatever it is. So they want to have a chat because they're a bit lonely. They can't catch up with you. But because you're at home, they think you're always available. So you have a bit of a chinwag with a person and you look at your phone, you, you look at your watch, you go, oh my goodness, I've lost an hour. Okay, I'm going to get into this work and I'm going to do this. Then you start feeling hungry. So you go off and you do something else. And by lunchtime, you look at it and you go, uh-oh, what's my employer going to think? Because I actually haven't done any work this morning. I've chased after the kids. I put out the washing. I did this. I did that. Because there are so many things to distract you. All right? On top of that, your partner is actually working at home too. And he's closed the door. He is turning around and doing this, that, and the other thing. And you're supposed to be able to cope with all the things that are going on. Or that's the person that has ADHD. And while you're trying to work, he pops in every five minutes. Because normally he's out doing different things. And because he's got different things to do, he's going off and seeing clients. He is maybe working in, you know, an environment which is quite fast paced, whatever it might be. It might be, you know, there's doctors, there's um, our emergency service people. There's lots of different people with ADHD. And so they're in a fast-paced environment, which keeps them going click, 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 click. But they're in lockdown with you. 
And so you're the neurotypical, neurotypical being person who hasn't got a condition such as ADHD. You are there at home working, but this ADHD person comes in and goes, oh, I just wanted to know this. Oh, can you do this? Ah, and it becomes extremely annoying Mm, because not only have you got the kids doing that, but you've got your partner doing that. (laughs) Now your partner, yeah. So you end up feeling quite um, trapped in a box with all of these different big emotions and big stimulus. But I guess the interesting thing is you were talking before about the sort of self-criticism which comes on from um, not performing your work to your usual standard because you are at home looking after multiple kids and, you know, uh, dealing with being in close quarters with everybody. Um, So that is a challenge for neurotypical people. But then for people with ADHD or people who are on the spectrum, um, it must be um, a whole other ballgame. Oh, totally. And the thing is, it's like, that's a really good question, by the way. Um, One thing with that is there's this thing called rejection sensitivity dysphoria, which is not in the DSM, but many clinicians who work with people with ADHD talk about rejection sensitivity dysphoria. So given that example that I was talking about before, so you've got your partner who's coming in every few seconds just to interrupt you. You've got the kids. You snap at your partner. What then happens if they have ADHD, they will have the propensity to have RSD, in which case it takes it from zero to a thousand in a short space of seconds. And then they'll start telling themselves a story. And this story will be about how they can never, you know, they can't do things right, that they're a problem, that they're in the way, that they're annoying the heck out of this person. When are they going to break up with them? Mm, it's catastrophizing. catastrophizing. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you know it. <laughs> so it's like taking it from zero to a thousand, not this person's becoming overwhelmed. They've got the kids coming in here. I'm coming in here or anything like that. It's there's got to be something wrong with me. And so it's all internalized, which uh, there are different comorbid conditions. A lot of people with ADHD, uh, including myself, um, have more than one condition. There is often learning difficulties. So again, that can be compounding in a lockdown situation because you've got children who normally would be at school with a teacher who may be able to mitigate what the learning difficulties are. So that can be, you know, dyslexia, dyscalculation, all the, um, all of those types of things. But they know how to deal with that, the teachers. You're at home, you're trying to teach your child or get them focused on their math or on their um, projects that they're, you know, learning how to read or do whatever, and they're having difficulty. You've got an ADHD partner who then turns around and overreacts to things. Boom, there's your explosion. There's your explosion. It's going to happen right then and there. So I'm going to start first with the big one, which is conflict resolution. All right. So with conflict resolution, if you turn around and Google that, oftentimes people will say use, say I and not you. So if a person turns around and says something and they go, but I, 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 you don't want to know that if you're angry. 
it, that just annoys the heck out of you more, all right? So instead, I say to people, start understanding and have this conversation beforehand. If you can have this conversation with your partner beforehand, this is going to save you a lot of trouble. This is how you approach conflict resolution, right? First of all, understand why people kick out at you. If somebody's triggered and they say something nasty to you, they will say it for a few reasons. Number one, they're hurting. So they want you to hurt just as much as they do. Number two, they will also say it if they're trying to push you away. Basically, that's it. In an intimate relationship situation, those are the two reasons people say hurtful things. There's also a third thing to understand the biological imperative there, which is as tribes, we could say things to people around us that were hurtful, but we'd never, ever say that to a complete stranger because the complete stranger could go and then get their tribe and then we'd be in big trouble. All right. So we'd say the nasty things to the people around us because we know that they, for their protection, we all had to look after each other. So that's where it comes down to. There's that biology there. Like people go, why could somebody who they love, the most precious person, why would they be so horrible to them? And it's because of that. So if you're correct. And so if you turn around and acknowledge that there's those two reasons, they're pushing me away or they're hurting. So they want me to hurt too. Instead of listening to the content. So if somebody's yelling at you and saying the most horrendous things, stop listening. Start looking at the human being behind that. That's somebody you care about who's losing control. So you look at them and you go, oh, so when there's a pause, you turn around and you say, do you want me to leave you alone or do you want a hug? That's it. And this would apply to both adults and children, wouldn't it? Correct. So if it's a child, make sure they're in a safe space that they're not going to, if they want to be left alone, you don't want to leave them in a space where if they start throwing things or doing things that they're then going to get hurt or anything like that. But especially with adults, you turn around and say, do you need space or do you need a hug? In a work situation, by the way, you can say, do you need space or do you want me to help you? Don't offer them the hug. It can get you into trouble in a work situation. (laughs) All right? So you just turn around and you adapt it just like that. Would you like some help? And then when the energy has been lowered, when people's, you know, they've gone back to, and I'll tell you something else, with ADHD, people will go, boom, they'll blow up, basically because they've got overwhelmed, and then all of a sudden they're back to normal. And the neurotypical person will sit there and go, they've just exploded at me. How can they be acting normally as if there's nothing wrong? It's like a pressure cooker, all right? So when the steam comes out, then the person goes, boom, clap, back to normal, which is great for resilience. It's not so great for relationships because the Mm. other person's just had this whole lot of vitriol chucked at them. And then they turn around and they say, oh, now the person's back to normal and they're uh, saying, what's my problem? Well, you've just called me all the names under the sun. So again, I go back to don't take any notice of the content of what the person is saying. Look to the human that you care about, the one that you love, whether it's your child or whether it's your partner, 
and figure out what they need. If they need space, give them space. Go and take the kids, go out to the backyard, go for a walk around the block if you possibly can. We're in lockdown, so there are limited options, but give the person the space they need, even if it's just one room. And then when they've over it, and they'll, they'll get over it pretty fast, then you can unpack it like adults. Or if it's with a child, you can turn around and the best way of approaching it, the best, best, best way is to ask how they were feeling. If you go, what were you thinking? Why did you do that? Then the person's starting to feel attacked as opposed to, oh, things didn't really work out there. How were you feeling? You know, what, what was happening? You know, tell me about that. Oh, what can we do in the future to, you know, make sure that you don't feel like that? So you approach it from a feeling perspective, not from a thinking perspective. Mm. Okay. I think, so, I think I've heard this um, discussed before with Nathan Wallace is his name. Yes. Um, talking um, you, of, know that, you know that Nathan Wallace actually has ADHD. Yes, yes, very <laughs> yes. much. But yeah. Yeah. Um, how he talked about the... Um, I believe he talked about the lid flipping analogy mm-hmm. um, for children. Would that be applicable to adults with ADHD or, or, or who are neurodiverse as well? Okay, what it is, and this is what um, people um, don't see because it's all happening in a person's head, so you can't see it. You don't have access to that. With what's going on every day, I'll just take it out. So neurotypicals. On a particular day, they will filter out a whole lot of things. All right. So we get millions of messages, even in lockdown. We get millions of messages every day, whether it's on social media or even out in nature or with food or all of these sorts of things. Our senses are being confronted with everything that's going on. And typically, we would, depending on what's happened to us, so how we're educated what family we're born into, whether we're male or female, what economic group our family was in, what school you went to, what books you read, you would filter, 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 filter. Now, you've heard of confirmation bias, right? Yes. Okay. So we'll have a propensity to go towards the things that we already believe in. So we won't see those other things unless they're glaring, in which case we'll say those people are wrong. (laughs) Right? So it's like, so... People with ADHD don't have those filters, all right? It's to do with the neurotransmitters and all this sort of thing, but they don't have the filters. So people will know that with autism, what tends to happen is that the processing is different and therefore it can become overwhelmed and a person may shut down and you can have somebody who will kick off, all right? With ADHD, people tend to be a little bit more verbal they'll be able to interact more with people they'll be more sociable maybe all right there are people who actually have autism and adhd at the same time and they can create a different mix as well but person with adhd typically is more social all right with that happening when they kick off because they've had so many messages they shut down and they can't process because they've had these thousands of messages come their way and they haven't been able to filter them out, they kick off. People say they've been naughty. You're doing this on purpose. 
you're being naughty. Now, a very good example of a place where this could happen, and in lockdown, this is this is particularly difficult for people with ADHD because the place is a supermarket. Now, personally, I would turn around and shop online because I know that going to a supermarket is not a good place for me. I'm confronted with a whole lot of smells and sounds and all of these products, the bright, you know, all these different things coming towards me. So I can go during the quiet times because they have some of the supermarkets have quiet hours. But generally, I will buy things online. During lockdown, not possible. So I would encourage people if you've been diagnosed or if you feel the same and have difficulty being inside a supermarket, especially with the added concern of COVID and having to wear a mask and this type of thing, that you go and have a look at the student volunteer army. There Mm -hmm. are students out there who are in actual fact going and doing shopping for people and putting them on their doorstep and walking away. So if you can't physically go and do this yourself, they have set up a website and they can get somebody to go and do that for you. But ultimately, in a normal setting, I would do my shopping, grocery shopping online, and I would encourage people with ADHD to do that. Um, it also means that you're less likely to do impulse buying, by the way, if you're yeah, one of the impulsive ones. Yes, but it's like, this is, this is the thing. It's like, there's the overwhelm. Apps, my goodness, living in this age is perfect because we've got the apps so we can send messages, we can create shopping lists, we can do a whole lot of things, we can put reminders so that the person with ADHD knows what they're supposed to be doing next. Mm-hmm. All right. And this is helping without giving them a whole lot of instructions right at the beginning, which they're going to miss most of it. Mm. This does take us into another area, I think, when we're considering apps because. There are the practical apps on on a phone, on a smartphone, which let you, which, yeah, could really help a person uh, who is neurodiverse. Mm. Um, however, social media, it's it's a bit dangerous at this point, isn't it? Just getting so much information fed in to our um, our idle, directionless minds at home you know, always hang on that press conference every day. It can, yeah, you can have a propensity to scare the gajibas out of yourself. It's like if you go down that particular route, that's why the experts recommend that you stick to the official lines of what is going on and that type of thing. So it's like, yeah, you can scare yourself. I always... And this is whether it's the individual themselves with ADHD or whether it's other people, you know, you're looking out at what other people are telling you. I say check the source. And what I mean by when with the individual, we don't know what we don't know. So we only know certain things and we'll know a little bit here and a little bit here and then we'll draw a line and we'll go, oh, well, that must mean, which is attribution. And it doesn't necessarily mean that at all. We've just made it up and it's a nice little story because from the data that we have, all that all looks like a picture and now that becomes our truth. All right? So if you have got something and you're thinking, oh, this is scaring me or whatever it is, 
um, oh, I don't like this or I'm finding this difficult or I'm spending all my time doing this, check the source. Just keep reminding yourself, is the source somebody I respect? Is the source someone I go to for advice? Is the source someone that knows what they're talking about? Thanks to Dory Connor for being the subject of this episode of WTS Waikato. If you liked what you heard, you can like the show on Facebook or find it wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, stay safe and be kind. Thanks to Free FM, the Community Access Media Alliance, and New Zealand On Air for making this show happen. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices, or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.